You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Hey, good morning, Real Life family. It is good to be together this morning. Just a couple of quick things before we get rolling. I want to remind everybody that you can fill out an online connection card. That would be fabulous. Or just whatever venue you're watching on, uh, Facebook or YouTube, just uh, leave a comment letting us know you're here. We would love to know where you're at, where you're watching from, which service you're watching. If you're not watching it live and you're watching it later in a replay, just uh, give us a heads up, say replay. We'd love to know that as well. So um, just look forward to checking in and hearing from you. Also, for those of you that are uh, participating with tithes and offerings, we surely appreciate that and your faithfulness in that is super important. You can find all the ways to give at rlcpullman.com slash give. The info will be on the screen and the guys will post it in the comments uh, section as well. So, well, for those of you that may be new and have not uh, joined us online before, my name is Thad and I am one of the pastors here at Real Life Church in Pullman. And we uh, have a church that sort of oversees or reaches the region around Whitman County uh, Pullman, where Washington State University Cougars are. If you're a Coug fan or a Coug alumni, let us know in the comments. Uh, we also have a Thursday night service that we do out in Colfax, just north of town here at 6.30. And so we've got online church that you're joining us for right now. We've also got a Thursday night in Colfax at 6.30, and then two Sunday services uh, at the WSU campus in Daggy Hall at 9 and 10.30 on Sundays. Those are uh, in-person options. You do need to wear a mask if you come in person. We've got social distancing uh, guidelines in place. And so we'd love to have you in person to worship with us and uh, join us for a message if you haven't come back yet. Or if you just want to stay uh, comfy at home and you're safe that way and that's the way you want to watch, that's fine too. We'd love to have you continue to watch online with us. So all of that to lead us up to the fact that we are kicking off a new series. And as you can tell, we're going to be uh, bringing it to you from a workshop. And there's a reason for that, because we're going to talk a little bit about work here shortly. And so um, before we get to that, I just want to say that I'm really excited about this series. Uh, I can't say that I was excited about it a while ago, and we'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about why. But um, this is a series I really am looking forward to. We're going to be talking about the Sabbath. And it is something that I think is really one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us as his people. And it's a gift that I think a lot of us have really just misunderstood, not fully grasped what it meant and why he gave us this gift or this command. I, I think a lot of people have just ignored it, uh, chosen to just sort of turn a blind eye to it. It seems too difficult. I don't want to worry about it. I think other people know exactly what Sabbath is and have just flat out rejected it. Um, and just have, you know, uh, not accepted that gift. And so in this series, we're going to take some time and unpack um, really what the Sabbath is, where did it originate, where did it come from, why is it so important to God, and why is it so important uh, that for us, uh, in God's opinion or God's view, like why did he make it such a huge deal for us to observe and obey this command? And so those are some of the questions we're going to dive into and unpack. So before we get there, I want to give you a little background on how we got to doing a series on Sabbath. And I want to share uh, just a little bit of transparency on my own part about um, some of my kind of fear and trepidation leading into this series. Okay, so 
A lot of you know that back in December last year, I was on a sabbatical break and I had an opportunity to spend a couple of weeks by myself. And for those of you that know me very well, you know my life's pretty busy. I have a lot of people around me a lot of the time. In fact, this workshop down here is packed full of people two or three nights a week building blessing beds. And this is in the basement of my home. And we have a lot of people here often. I had five kids, raised five kids. And so I had a lot of kids with a lot of friends and a lot of teenagers and just always had um, uh, a lot of people and activity going on in my life. And so to take a sabbatical and actually intentionally take off some time uh, away. And on top of that, to be uh, up in Canada, somewhere I've never been, uh, for a couple of weeks by myself, solo, with people, you know, not knowing anybody, was kind of new territory for me. It's not a normal thing I have practiced or done in my life. And so I spent a lot of time up there praying, really asking God to give me direction for um, the season ahead, the year ahead, asking God to give me wisdom and discernment to know how to lead us as a church forward. Um, I had no idea what I was specifically praying for or, or what I was going to need for the year to come as this has been a year like no other. Uh, I also was really leaning in and asking God to show me what did I need to work on this year? What did he want to teach me? What are areas that he wanted me to um, lean in and learn about? And, and what, what areas did he want me to lead us through as a church? And there were really two things specifically that came up through that time of my break that I really felt super clear that God wanted me to uh, dive into personally and for us as a church. And the first one is that I really felt like it was super clear that God wanted us to go through the book of Acts. He wanted me personally as a leader to go through the book of Acts. He just kept showing me over and over that, that that's the book that reveals what the birth of the church looked like, what it looked like to go uncover new ground and new territory and develop new leaders and go to new places and do new things. And it just kept, I just kept getting these, these reminders of, uh, that, that there was something new coming for us as a church. And, and I was going to be uh, taken to a place where I could learn about it as we went back through the book of Acts. And so that's what we've done for the last many months is, is taken that journey and looked at all of those new things that happened and learned along the way. And, and the other thing that God really showed me back in December that he wanted me to talk about was one that I was not nearly as excited to talk about as I was Acts, and that was Sabbath. And it just kept coming up in books I was reading on my break, um, prayer time with the Lord, scripture that God led me to, input from people that I trust and respect. It just kept coming up, this idea of learning about Sabbath. And I felt like God was making it really clear to me twofold. One, he really wanted me to learn what Sabbath is and learn uh, why uh, the kind of rest that he talks about in Sabbath is so important to me personally. I think he also wanted me to learn so that I could help us as a church um, learn what Sabbath is and really put it into practice. And so I, I just have to be transparent with you right now as we dive into this series. This is not something that I have been awesome at practicing. It's new ground for me as a Christian, as a believer in my faith. I have uh, known uh, generally about Sabbath, but I've been far from a Sabbath expert. And so I take it really seriously as I come before you and teach that I want to be very cautious about what I say um, and what I say that I'm confident I know is accurate and correct and what I say 
as me just learning and speculating. And so I'll try to do that as we go through the series. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to learning along with you. And I just really want to encourage you to um, come into this series with an open mind, to come into this series and uh, to just be ready to dig in and learn and put your thinker on. Don't just trust whatever is said. Um, dig and learn with me. And let's come out the other side of this, understanding a lot better about why Sabbath is so important to the Lord. All right. So with all that in mind, just kind of teeing us up, I want to jump into this Sabbath series and just open us up this morning with kind of an introductory message. And so Sabbath itself is an ancient Hebrew word, and it really just means to cease or to stop working really is the the heart behind it, to cease from your labor. And God introduces this idea of ceasing or stopping from labor uh, way back in the very beginning as a part of creation. He first puts this idea on the table for us of stopping from working. I want to go back to the beginning and read with you where this idea first hits the scene. Genesis 2, chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. So God models for us right from the beginning this rhythm of working for six days and breaking for a day, like ceasing from work for a day, resting from work, if you will. And it's something that he did from the very beginning and modeled for us. It's such an important thing to God that he actually called it holy. And that word holy means set apart. Like it's it's like there could be a whole bunch of things, but one of them is set apart. It signifies that it's special or unique or in a, in a Christian realm, sanctified, separate. Um, you think about this, there are seven days in creation. And, and of those seven days, God actually just chose to bless one of them and call them holy. So there was something about it that, that he blessed. It was something special and unique about this day. And I hope your wheels are starting to turn. You're starting to kind of process and think through something that, that this idea that God created everything in these first six days, right? Fish of the sea, birds of the air, animals, beasts of the field, plants, everything, sky, heaven, earth, water, like all these things that he created. And when he created them, he looked at each day and he said what he had done was good, including us people. He said it was good. But then what, what seems so crazy, like wrap your brain around this for a second, like the, the day that God did nothing was the day that he said was special, that was set apart. There was something amazing about that seventh day that led God to bless that day and set it apart and call it holy in comparison to all the other days where all this amazing things that happened. The day where nothing happened is the day that God said, this is a special day. And so we're starting to get a glimpse of what Sabbath is. And we're also starting to probably have a lot of questions like, what? Why? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, normally in the world we live in, like, Special days are days where you kick butt and get tons of stuff done. Like, that's an awesome day, right? Like, how is it the day that nothing got done? And so, 
in order to understand this, to, to understand how it plays out with God's people, we got to go back and try and find when is the first time we find God's people interacting with this idea of Sabbath? Where does it actually show up? Like we see where God instituted it and where God called it special in the very beginning in creation, but where does it show up with actual people, right? And in order to find that, we got to roll the clock all the way back to where God's people were in slavery in Egypt. And so in Egypt, you've got to understand there's 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And as slaves in Egypt, they were uh, living in a world where they were oppressed. They were not free. And their worth and value had been grilled into them. That their value was in what they could produce. They were only good so long as they could do. Much of the work they did in that time was, was brick building. They would gather mud and put it in these forms. And, and, and so their life revolved around gathering supplies, forming stuff up, making bricks, drying bricks, moving bricks, stacking bricks, building stuff with bricks, rinse, repeat, right? Like their life was all about production. And, and they learned from watching the people around them day after day, year after year, you know, uh, generation after generation that, that your value comes from your production. What can you produce? You're only as good as the work you can do, right? And they would watch as people around them would get sick or get old or, or have issues and, and, and they became worthless to their leaders. And so it was like, you want to be noticed. You want to be worth something, right? Like get to work, right? You want to, you want to be valued. You want your life to be protected? Work. You want to be noticed and move up the food chain? Work harder, right? Like that's the way this stuff went. And so you know the story. God rescues his people. He hears their cries. He sends Moses and Aaron on a rescue mission into Egypt. He miraculously intervenes and he, he rescues his people from Egypt. He defeats their oppressors. He, and he begins a new work of building trust with a people who didn't know how to trust. And beyond the miracles and the plagues and, and bringing them through the sea, God actually starts giving his people ways to trust him, like practical daily experiences to, to help them engage and trust him. In fact, early on, just past the Red Sea, just a few days into the desert, they start complaining about their need for water. And what does God do? He leads them to an oasis where there are 12 springs and all these palm trees and fresh water and, and shade and, and rest. And later, as God's leading them through uh, the, the rest of the way towards Mount Sinai, it doesn't take very long and they start complaining some more, right? Like now at this point, there's something like a month into the desert and they're complaining about food. And what does God do? God provides food for them. And they complain some more about like not having meat. And what does God do? God provides meat for them. And, and God just continues to show them that he's a God that can provide He's a God that will provide. He's a, he's a God that loves and cares and looks out for them. And he's helping them practically figure out what does it look like to trust God, to trust that someone will look out for you and protect you and give you what you need. And 
And so it goes, right? Here's how the story goes. And so, you know, the people complain, they grumble, they don't know how to trust God. God continues to, to teach them and provide for them. Um, he gives them water and manna and quail and, and they gather some of those people as they're, they're navigating, learning how to live in this new world of a God that's providing for them. And it's, it's not gained it on their work or whatever, right? Like they don't quite know what to do about all this yet. They're a month out of slavery, of generations of slavery. And so, some of them do what you would imagine anybody would do in those circumstances. They gather all this food together and try to hoard it because they may never see food again. Like they don't know yet that this is an everyday occurrence, that they, that God's trustworthy and they can depend on him. Like they don't have that yet. And so they hoard food and then they find quickly that overnight it smells bad and it's full of maggots and, and God's teaching them that it's okay to just depend on him day by day. Right. And, and so Moses and Aaron instruct the people at, at one point to actually go on a certain day, the sixth day, and gather enough food for a couple days. Well, this really doesn't make any sense to the people. And so I want to just kind of read a passage with you here in Exodus, and let's look at how this starts to play out. Okay, just track with me on this, and I think it's going to come together for you in a second. Exodus 16, 21 through 26 goes like this. After this, the people gathered uh, the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes that they had, uh, that they had not picked up, melted and disappeared. And on the sixth day, they gathered uh, twice as much as usual, four quarts for each person instead of two. And then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. They're like, why do we got to do two? Why do we got to do twice as much this day? We've tried this before and it all goes bad overnight. They're like, we don't understand. And, and so verse 23, he told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will day, be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what's left for tomorrow. So they put some aside for the morning, and just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good, without maggots and odor. Uh, and Moses said, eat this food today, for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, and there will be no food on the ground on that day. So you, you got to understand, God is establishing with his people that he is a trustworthy God, that he's working out for them, that he is a trustworthy God with people who don't know how to trust. And he's affirming and establishing that, that they can depend on him. And he introduces this idea that that they can take a day off, that they can rest. He's trying to begin to pave the way to tell a story to them about who they are, that, that there's more to them than what they can produce. It's not just about bricks. It's not just about work, that he is a God who loves them for who they are, and he will look out for them, and he will provide for them, and they can depend on him. It's not just about what they can do on their own strength. And so, as you can imagine, the Israelites are slow on the uptake, if you will. It takes them a while to figure out how to actually put this into practice. And so this is sort of how's it, how it uh, goes. They're a little slow to grasp the change. Exodus 16, uh, verse 27. 
says, some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. And the Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. This is what, this is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so that there'll be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out to pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. And this is how God reintroduced his people to this special day, to this Sabbath day where they rest. He's introducing it to them as a gift, as as a precious gift, a day of rest, a holy day set apart that's, that's special and unique from all the other days, a day that God himself called blessed. And the next time that we see the Sabbath come up in Scripture is when uh, God is giving Moses the law, uh, the Ten Commandments, and at Mount Sinai. And I want us to look at what he actually gives as a commandment when it re- in regards to Sabbath. Okay, so in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, let's take a look at it together. It says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, um, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. As holy. Now, here's the challenge is the reality is most people read this commandment. Back then, later, uh, the Jewish people uh, read and interpreted this commandment, and many of us Americans and Westerners read and interpret this commandment, commandment and, and we automatically go to asking some questions. We read this commandment about resting and keeping it holy and abstaining from work, and we automatically start asking some questions like, okay, number one, how do we keep a day holy? What, do you, what does that mean? How do I do it? Right? Just give me the bottom line. Then we ask some other questions like, what is work? And, and, and what's not work? Like, what can I do? And what can I not do in order to obey this commandment? Like, how do I not break this law? That God's put in place, right? The the problem with trying to start here with these how-to questions is that we end up focusing on the wrong thing, and we miss the point of the law. We spend a bunch of time trying to figure out how to do this commandment, and we miss the why did God give it to us. And there's a lot of appeal to the approach of the how-to approach, right? Like it, we, we want instructions. We want a list. We want to know, like, what do we do next? And then after that, what do we do? And after that, what do we do? Like, there's, there's great appeal to that, particularly for Americans. And we want, there's a reason that uh, Cliff Notes are popular and the some book summaries. And like, just boil it down for me. Just give me the what I need to know so I know what to obey. I don't need all the other stuff, right? The, the problem is, the problem is we're going to miss the heart of God in giving us the gift, the why. Why did he give us this gift? Why is it important to God? And so I just want you to know up front that the how-to approach 
is not the angle we're going to take as we go through this series. Uh, we're not going to map out all the answers for you. We're not going to give you a step-by-step guide of how to observe the Sabbath and, and which time to do it and what day to do it and, and uh, what you should or shouldn't do. That's not the heart behind this series. Instead, here's what I want to do. I really want to challenge each of you to lean in through this series and really think and wrestle with me to learn uh, why is the Sabbath so important to God? Why did God make it such a huge deal to, to actually land on it as a commandment? Why is it so important to Him that we understand it and observe it and obey it? Because if we don't know why it's important, it, it really doesn't matter if we do it. It doesn't matter if we know how to do it. The truth is, if we just know how to do it, and we're sort of just observing it out of um, willpower, because someone told us you do these three things or do these five steps, the, the, the reality is that will fade. You know, our interest in obeying the, the Sabbath will fade. And in time, we will be back to not honoring the Sabbath. And not only will we be not honoring the Sabbath, we'll be in a spot where we've always been not really understanding why God gave us the Sabbath, right? We'll be still missing the heart of a God who loves us and wants us to, to learn to depend on Him. And so uh, for the rest of this series, what we're going to really do is wrestle through five questions. And, and these questions are questions that I think are going to help us really learn how to unwrap this gift, if you will and understand how to receive it, and understand why God gave it to us, and why this gift is so important as a gift that God gave us. And so I want to map out these questions with you and kind of help you understand where we're going in the weeks to come in this series. So let's take a look at them. First one is, why is God trustworthy? That's the one we're going to unpack next week, is we're going to take a look at why is God trustworthy? Which that's a big question. Now the, the thing is, you got to understand, we're going to unpack this question as it relates to Sabbath. How does God asking us to take a day of rest have anything to do with his trustworthiness? So that's what we're going to unpack next week. And then after that, we're going to ask the question, uh, why does God prescribe rest? Like, a lot of us know rest is important. Some of you, if you don't get eight hours a night or 10 hours a night, like you're, a, you're an angry grizzly bear in the morning, you need your sleep. And so you're like, you don't have to convince me that rest is important. You get it. But that's not really the kind of rest we're talking about or that God had in mind. So why? Why would God say it's critical that you rest? And how does that pertain to a day off? And so that's, that's the next one. And then after that, we're going to tackle why, uh, why your identity matters. And when you think about who you are, really, who do you think you are? And who does God say you are? And what in the world does one day off a week not working have to do with your identity? That's going to be a really big one, and it's going to be really important. So I'd say definitely tune in for that one. And then after that, we're going to take a look at why your perspective needs checked often. Like, like why do you need to revisit some, uh, kind of your view on life, your, your perspective, and why do you need to do it often? And how does a one-day-a-week Sabbath uh, pertain to that? And so that's what we're going to tackle. And then lastly, in this series, we're going to answer the question, uh, why are you not free? Why are you not free? 
The reality is I think a lot of us love the idea of freedom and we live in America, the land of the free, right? And the home of the brave. And and we, it sounds great and all that stuff. And we hear about Christian statements like, you know, Paul saying that it was for freedom's sake that he set us free, you know, that Jesus set us free. He came to set captives free. Like we hear these little cliche scripture quotes and it sounds nice and they make nice memes to post on social media. And we love the idea of being free or set free from things. But in all truth, when it comes down to the day-to-day practical, we really, most of us, I think a lot of times have felt like we're sort of a slave to the grind. We're sort of just a slave to our own life. Like we don't get to say what we do tomorrow. We don't, we're not free to say what we can do, when and where and how. Like our boss tells us what to do. Our bills tell us what to do. Our schedule tells us what to do. Our kids tell us when and where they need us. Our wife or our husband tells us when and where they need us or what they need. Like it doesn't feel like there's a whole free thing going on. And so we're going to wrap up this series talking about how does Sabbath and setting apart a day as holy have anything to do with being free? And so, so those are some of the things that we're going to unpack in the weeks to come. And so here's what I really want you to do is I really want you to be thinking about coming into this series, joining us every week with a journal and your Bible and ready to dig in and learn. I also really want you to be thinking about who do you know that needs to be a part of these messages, that needs to hear these messages, and needs to to engage with you and wrestle with you in answering these questions. Like, I'm telling you up front, we're not going to give you all the answers. We're going to spend each week looking at different facets of these, these questions, unpacking them, showing you what God's Word says, and giving you the content and tools and resources to wrestle with it and use your discernment and, and be taught by God's Word, by God's Spirit, to learn about why the Sabbath and this day is so important to God. And I'm going to be right there learning with you. And I think you all know somebody that needs to be a part of this as well. And so I would just encourage you to be thinking about who you're going to invite. That may mean inviting a couple of people over to your house and you watch it together. That may mean uh, doing a watch party online. Um, It may mean uh, tagging people and sharing the video with them and just saying, hey, watch this and then let's talk about it on the phone later. Um, uh, my son came home the other night and said, Hey dad, I'm excited. Uh, we're doing uh, Mike Todd Tuesdays. And there's this preacher that does this awesome series about relationships that I, I showed him after someone else shared it with me. And it's a really cool series. And so he's got a bunch of his buddies and they're getting together on Tuesday nights, doing Todd Tuesday nights, watching sermons of his and then talking about it. And so really be thinking about who you're going to invite. And I'm excited to see some new faces jumping online with us, whether it's in person at one of our services or joining us online. I I know that people are in all different places and that's awesome. I just want you to be a part of this, engage, um, dig in and learn with us and bring people along that need to come along for the journey. So we're going to go ahead and finish with communion this morning. So if you haven't grabbed your elements for communion yet, now is your uh, chance to do that. And uh, we'll be right back as I grab mine. This morning, as we're thinking about Sabbath and we're beginning this adventure to learn what Sabbath is and why this day is set apart and special and holy, one of the things we're going to discover as we go on this journey is that Sabbath has a lot to do with remembering, Uh, looking back and remembering um, who God is and what he had done in 
the days prior, you know, like all of creation that was accomplished. And as we rest, we can look back and reflect on the goodness of God and the creation of God. And so as we're thinking about communion this morning, I just want us to reflect and think back on all that God has done for us and what was accomplished for us on the cross by Jesus. And and it didn't require any work on our part. There's no effort. There's no earning it. There's no, we're only worth it if we get so many bricks made. Like there's none of that. It's just freedom. It's just forgiveness of sin, righteousness, being made right and square with God. And it's all available to us at, at, at no effort of our part except faith. And so this morning, for those of you that have put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Join me this morning as we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it. And he said, this bread represents his body, which was given for us. So as we eat that, let's remember. And the same way after supper, he took the cup and he said that this cup represents a new covenant, which is another word for a contract or agreement. And it's a covenant that was sealed with the shedding of his blood. And that signified for us forgiveness of sins once and for all. And so let's reflect and remember that as we drink the cup together. Let's pray. God, we love you and we just thank you so much for your son. You're a good God and we're just um, amazed that you looked over creation and all that you made and all that you did. And on the last day where nothing was done, nothing was accomplished. That's the day you set apart and said was holy and good and blessed. So God teach us, help us dive in and really learn and understand why that day was so special to you. And what does it mean for us? I pray that you would just help us to uh, grow and learn and mature as Christians and, and uh, followers of your son through this series. So just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.